Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to remind you that we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter, and we have a Patreon if you want to support us and get a subliminal shout-out. Most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story, but we want you to tell us a story. So call us or text us on the hotline, tell us your story, and enjoy this week's episode. Love you. And welcome back, Ford Explorers, to the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. I, of course, am the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, I am the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. And this is the Acid Cat Spirit Hour, the podcast where we talk about all the things that may or may not be in the world, the mis- the mysterious, the paranormal, the I don't know, controversial, I suppose. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but every week before we get into our main story, this week our main story is a lot of fun. Uh, just This is a, a stupid milestone for us, but this is episode 69. Hell yeah. Uh, nice, I believe, is the appropriate nice. response. Uh, so we wanted to do something that was extra meme worthy. You know, we wanted to do something that was appropriate of the number. So we, we figured a crypto mystery might be the most appropriate. I know we just talked about John Rufo, but that was bank loans. That's a different kind of fraud. <laughs> uh, anyway, before we get into that today, we every week we like to do a little ghost report. I own a haunted little bar in Kentucky and Caleb works there. Um, and every week we have interactions with the ghosts in that bar because it is an especially haunted bar. It's not like a thing we put on the wall to get people to come in. It's the thing that people tell us while they're in there. Yes. Um, so this week's ghost report's a little special. Usually I don't have a lot to contribute to the ghost report, but I'm going to start, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, we, You were there for this. Uh, the other day I was in there um, doing some, some boss work, doing some payroll stuff, and I was talking to you who were right in front of me, and to give everybody, uh, for the, the, the audio listeners, uh, I was standing behind the bar and Caleb was on the opposite side, um, and I was like at a computer. And I'm looking at Caleb, and I look up, and I look over in the corner of my eye, and I swear I saw a woman with long, dark hair standing right there at the end of the bar looking at us, uh, watching us, where the lady with the dark hair usually is, with the lady with the long hair usually is. Um, and it, it startled me for a moment. Uh, it definitely caught me off guard. Uh, you know, working there, we get pretty used to the idea that there are ghosts. So it's not like a, oh, shit, was that a ghost moment? It was like, oh, shit, that was the ghost. Yeah, it, it was funny because I was standing there, and we were just talking, and then you just kind of stopped talking for a second and you just start to chuckle and i was like did you see ghosts and you're like yeah i saw ghosts (laughs) um but yeah so that was that was fun that happened this week um we had a bar full of people and uh the lights all started changing colors like the all of the lights not just the back lights all the whole strand of lights started changing and people were like Ooh, party time. And I was like, actually, it's ghost time. <laughs> um, our ghosts either telling you they're happy you're here or asking you to leave. We haven't figured it out yet. And then there was, I was in the bathroom once again, that second bathroom where we typically see the lady with the long hair and the light above it changes all the time. I was using the bathroom and it was only uh, me and one of the other bartenders in. It was a, a lull in the night. Um, and someone just started knocking on the door. <laughs> and I was like, uh, typically I thought that, it was Ryan, the bartender that was working with me. But when I walked out, uh, he was at the other end of the bar. And I, like, walked out right after the knocks happened because I was, like, drying my hands. And typically, he likes to mess with me if I'm in the bathroom. 
and it's just the two of us oh, in there. But he's a big ass dude. You'd notice if he was a grind's not a small man. Yeah, it's and like getting pranked by Sasquatch. And it would be like if he knocked and quickly ran to the other side of the bar, it'd be obvious. Like it's a it's a concrete and wood floor, and he's also like, with all due respect, Ryan, you'd probably be sweating. All yeah, the <laughs> he'd probably be out of breath. But no, he was just chilling there. So I was like, okay, cool, that's cool, that's fun, awesome. Sort of hate this. And then the one uh, there's all. It really feels like the ghost is upping their ante a little bit and trying to get me. Yeah. Because the other day, um, when we were closing, as we were leaving, all the lights were off and we're going out the back door, and I didn't see anything, but it felt like someone was, like, ushering me out. Like, pushing you out? Not even, not even physically pushing, but, you know, like, at the end of a concert or something like that, where the, uh, like, ushers or where the people that tell you where your seat is walk behind you if yeah, you're the last person you in the road. Yeah, they don't actually touch you, but they're right behind you to corral you out. That's what it felt like as I was leaving. Like someone was behind me being like, all right, your time is over. It's our time now. Get out of here. I mean, this is a really busy week, two weeks for us here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this big event going on for those of us, for those of you who don't listen to the show that don't live here in town with us, uh, there's a big horse race going on. And it's kind of it's kind of packed the town, which means that I feel like there being more people in, more tourists being in. Like we're a very uh, local bar, so I feel like the ghosts have the opportunity to kind of get to know the people who come in. Yeah. Whereas with all the tourists coming in, it's probably kind of a stressful time for the ghosts. Yeah, and I mean it's like it's the most people that have been in that building in like forty years. Yeah, that's true because this is the first time we've been able to work this since since we opened yeah yeah because of covid and everything for those who don't know we opened right before the covid shutdown so a lot of this stuff is pretty not new to us but new to the the structure new to the ghosts Mm -hmm. so who knows yeah maybe maybe we're gonna go in today and there's just gonna be stuff strewn around because they're mad at us stage fright guys have made such a mess of our (laughs) quiet little we where are all the dogs where are all the nice people with dogs it's that uh it's that one roommate that like never leaves their room and they get pissed when you have a bunch of people over and like absolutely after everyone leaves they're like what the fuck you didn't even ask man like i live here too and it was so loud is this bunger are you talking about bunger no uh he <laughs> he we had a bunch of people over when i got home from work the other day and, it, it, and i was, was like you. whoa i was like whoa I hate that feeling. Don't ever do that again, Bunker. <laughs> That's going on my shit list. Do you ever do that again? We're, you're a dead man. <laughs> All right, now that I've threatened our number one fan. For those who listen to the show and don't know who we're talking about, Bunger is easily our number one fan. Yeah. We've tried to have him come on the show, but he refuses, which is fair. He's kind of a weird little worm, so I understand why. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Bunger. You're a beautiful person. Uh, but he is definitely our number one fan. So if you hear us make fun of Bunger, just know that's who we're talking about. Uh, yeah, so on to the main story today. Yes. Speaking of weirdos. Yeah, weird little worms. Oh man, <laughs> they never leave their room. This one, uh, you when we were like planning for this episode, you're like, "Have you heard about this?" And I was like, "No, not really." And you're like, "Well, go watch this documentary and research it." And the more and more I went, like, looked into it and watched the documentary and everything, I was like, "This guy's fucking weird." Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're today we're talking about Gerald Cotton, Jerry Cotton, uh, the founder, and uh, I guess he's dead, quote unquote, <laughs> the missing. Founder of Quadringa CX, which was a early crypto exchange. Yes. Um, and now in the crypto sphere, obviously, there's a shitload of mystery. I mean, people still don't know who Satoshi is. There's a lot. There's ripe pickings for these sort of things. And yeah, I uh, I had heard this story before because I remember when it happened. Um, I remember when because the way that he, quote unquote, allegedly died is so outlandish. <clears throat> and I remember being in the headlines then 
And uh, there was a there's a little documentary that was it on Netflix? Yes, on Netflix that came out. It's not really all that descriptive of the situation. Mm. To be honest, I was pretty surprised by how much they don't talk about. Yeah, um, but the situation is it's a colorful one, and I as like I said at the beginning. When we were doing episode 69, I was like, well, it's got to be something kind of silly, something kind of meme since it's 69, right? And, yeah, it, it makes sense to to do a crypto thing. I didn't want to do Satoshi because I, I don't think Satoshi exists. Yeah. I don't think he's a real person. Uh, but I guess, yeah, maybe we will have to do that now that I've even expressed an opinion on it. But today we're, we're talking about Jerry Cotton, who was also there at the beginning, um, who just sort of mysteriously disappeared, uh, died very young, and left behind a tremendous fortune. You guys may have heard about the story. The way I heard about it when it happened was, you know, it, sh- it popped up in all the aggregators and on Twitter and stuff as founder of, you know, what was it, like 500 million? Yeah. Something like that in in uh, crypto. This founder dies suddenly, and he's the only one with the keys to all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So obviously that puts a big red flag up. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because uh, while Gerald Cotton did allegedly die uh, a few years ago, I don't think anyone believes that. Yeah, I, like even the people that were firm believers that he did die at the beginning, due to everything that's happened in the past what, three years now since he's passed, they're like... No, we're fucking dumb. Yeah, this this dude's fully alive. All right, well, let's get into Jerry Cotton then and do what we always do on this show, which is before we get into the what, we get into the who. Yes. Yeah, to get to know the guy, why he would fake his own death and run away with all this money. Although, to be honest, this might be one of the cases that needs the least amount of explanation for a motive. I think everybody listening has the exact same motive. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, we do file this under cool crimes. Yes. Yeah, we consider this a cool crime. Any crypto heist, I think, is a cool crime. Because anybody getting involved in crypto or NFTs is... They're putting their money out there. Like, if you get involved in this unregulated business, dealing with really, really hard to to quantify currencies and, and valuables and assets, like... You, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. It's kind of like running out on the freeway to play football and saying, like, oh, what are all these cars doing out here? Yeah, no shit, man. Like, it's dangerous out there. That's where all the thieves are going to be because it's where they can be. You can't be upset that they're ruining your thing. You're kind of ruining their thing. Yeah, I uh, I started this new this new game that I created called uh, How Much Is This Monkey Picture Worth? <laughs> where I just pull up board eight pictures and I show people. Uh, on OpenSea, I pull it up on OpenSea, and I'm like, hey, guess how much this picture of this monkey is worth? And they're like, I don't know, $3,000? And I was like, close, $42 million. <laughs> and they're like, why? And I go, well, he's not wearing a shirt, and he's got an eye patch, obviously. Duh. <laughs> Duh. It's very rare. You can't get an eye patch on the left eye on a board ape. Uh, yeah, which is also, likewise, you know, there was that board ape hack this week. Mm-hmm. And that was, ha- I think that's fantastic. I, yeah. It's fun, you know, because we're all too old to even have a, an understanding of what it was like to live in the, the like less conquered America where you could kind of just steal shit if you were good enough. at Yeah. It. Uh, and it's honestly, it's kind of admirable to see we, it's like watching Dutch in the gang, you know, except they're just stealing NFTs and bitcoins and shit instead. I just spent $32,000 on this monkey picture. Oh, cool. It's mine now. But, yeah, there's no laws telling me I can't, which is the cool thing. So, And what's even crazier <laughs> is I can now charge you $64,000 yeah. for it, and there's nothing you can do about it. You want it back? Buy it. You should. Uh, you could always just right-click it. <laughs> so, uh, Gerald Cotton, good old Jerry Cotton, grew up in Belleville, which is a waterfront community between uh, Toronto and Montreal in Beautiful. good old Canada. Uh, and he graduated from an honors program at uh, York University's Solik School of Business. To which then he used his degree to found, uh, found Canada's cryptocurrency exchange company, Quadriga Fintech Solutions, which he then shortened to Quadriga CX. Yep. 
2013, which became a huge success because it was around during the initial cryptocurrency boom from 2013 to 2016. Well, yeah, and Quadringa really helped like legitimize. An important thing to keep in mind here is that the scam part of Jerry Cotton isn't really what he was doing with Quadriga. Quadriga no, not was a perfectly all. normal exchange. It really helped make Bitcoin more popular. Mm-hmm. It gave people, you know, we won't go too far into it. I think most of the people listening probably have a fam- like a, a familiarity with, with cryptos and stuff at this point. But this stuff was originally, I'm not going to say it was invented for, but its original purpose was to have an anonymous currency. The problem with PayPal is that it would say where you were buying something from. So yep. if you were on the Silk Road or whatever... And you wanted to buy some fucking meth or weird designer drugs as a, say, a 17-year-old like myself, you needed Bitcoin to do it. Yeah. Because it was the easiest way to make your money clean and untraceable. So there weren't a ton of options early on for Bitcoin. It's why it took a long time for people to adopt it as a currency because it's not a physical currency, right? Yeah. So, like, being able to cash out is really, really difficult. And what Quadriga allowed you to do was at least trade it. You know, it's like what we saw with the squeezes last year with people with Dogecoin and shit like that. If any of you listening were involved in that, this was kind of the same thing. It's just imagine if Robinhood or whatever you use to trade your Doge didn't exist at all. Yeah. That's what this allowed people to be able to do. And with a lot of online services, a lot of people were doing like discounts if you used Bitcoin. Like I know my uncle, he is a web developer and a programmer and the service that he was using to host a couple of his websites were like, yeah, you can pay us like 500 bucks a month to host your sites. Or if you use Bitcoin, we'll charge you $200, like yeah. the equivalent exchange for $200. And he's like, well, I'm going to do that, which is awesome because he stopped using that service and just had Bitcoin lying around. Yeah. And then in 2017, he was like, oh, fuck, I've got like half of a Bitcoin. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I mentioned that I probably threw away some drives that had Bitcoin on them. Yeah. Because I got rid of them long before they were worth anything. I just used them to buy drugs. Yeah. I, I mean, I just probably, I didn't buy drugs with them. <laughs> so, uh I mean, fucking, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that. So I'm going to go ahead and rewind that. Cotton uh, got a lot of popularity and became kind of this focal point in the cryptocurrency community. And a lot of people looked up to him because at first, a lot of these crypto bros were just hanging out in coffee shops and restaurants, just talking about Bitcoin and stuff like that. Once he finally founded uh, Quadriga, he was like, hey, guys, I have an office space. If you guys want to keep doing this, just hanging out and talking just come to my office. You can I, hang out, talk. I mean, that's pretty much what the backbone of the crypto yeah. industry is, just hanging out and talking. And even in a Vanity Fair, uh, Vanity Fair put out a whole story about him. And they said Cotton was a computer nerd who had entered the right business at the right time and succeeded beyond his wildest dreams. So with that, Quadriga started by doing only local trades just in Canada. And as time went on, their online exchange launched and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it became one of the biggest exchanges, not just in Canada, but in the world. Yeah, in the world. And they, at in 2014, there was $7.4 million of Bitcoin being pushed in and out of Quadriga. Man. And it's just like, it's so That's much 2014, money. man. Yeah. Bitcoins, you know, now we hear that sort of thing. That's a handful of Bitcoins. Back then, Bitcoin was maybe 10 bucks a piece. Maybe. And uh, at the time, it was such like unknown territory that even cotton himself explained that the company stored customer funds on paper wallets in safety deposit boxes. (laughs) So he said, quote, so we just send money to them. We don't need to go back to the bank every time we want to put money into it. We just send money from our Bitcoin app directly to those paper wallets and keep it safe that way. Okay. So 
it was still, he was running this business off of a laptop. Like he was doing millions of dollars of money transfers from a laptop. And only he was the one that was like, all right, thank you for your money. I transferred it to Bitcoins. I put it here. And it was such an unknown territory that people were like, yeah, that's fine. You said unknown territory, but it's like exceptionally unknown yeah. territory. You know, you're the willingness to trust a guy. Cause yeah, I guess one of the questions that could come up immediately, right. was, okay, why was this guy the only guy that had the keys when he died? Well, because I think at the time it was less of a, um, I, whether he was hanging on to him intentionally or not, which we'll get into. Cause he's, we'll get to the part where he fakes his death and is still very much alive and probably spending all this money. Yeah. But, um, in all reality, like that, I don't know. I just, I go ahead. Um, so the company then tried to raise money and list themselves on the Canadian securities exchange. And, the, they raised $850,000 but canceled their plans to list on the exchange in early 2016. And they only had four employees at the time. It was uh, it was Cotton. It was a guy by the name of Michael... P- oh, sorry. Michael Patron. Okay. And uh, two other people that worked in the offices. There, of course, were people in and out hanging out all the time, but only four actual employees. Okay. And this was in late 2015. And by 20... Uh, even later in 2015, June 2015... They completely ran out of money out of nowhere. They were like bustling and booming, had only four employees, were doing $7.4 million in transfers the year before. Then all of a sudden, middle of 2015, out of money. Isn't that the crypto story or the like, not the crypto story. I mean, yeah, it kind of is. But isn't that like the Silicon Valley story, though? A hundred percent. Yeah, you have this great idea. It's booming. And then suddenly... A company in China rips you off, and now you're broke. Like, it's got to be weird. You know, we've been in the hospitality business our whole life, so there's, like, little things that happen where, you know, people lose their jobs, and it's just kind of like a shrug and a whatever. Yeah. I wonder how many people there are. I mean, I'm sure this is a stupid question. It just shows that we're not connected to that that group. But in Silicon Valley, there has to be entire groups of people who were, like, <clears throat> uh, like a, a boom and burst employee at a number of different places mm-hmm. that can like compare stories of the day they all closed. Oh, hundred percent. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause like working at one of these companies, you just, I would feel, I'd be fearful. I've obviously I've never had a job like that. I've been in the bar industry pretty much my whole life. So I know someone that was a uh, part of a startup and it was like going super well. Their numbers looked great and they were in the works of doing like a multi-million dollar deal. <laughs> And, like, the same week they were supposed to close the deal, I forget what happened, but basically a competitor company came out with better technology. They just tanked, and the deal didn't go through. So they went from having, like, a multi-million dollar evaluation to having a company that wasn't worth their time. Dude, the Silicon Valley model is nuts. It's fucking wild. So in 2016, Cotton became the sole director of Quadriga because every other uh, director resigned. They're like, we have no money. This isn't worth our time. They all resigned. And at that time, there were no employees. They sold their office, and they didn't even have any bank accounts anymore. Like, this company just tanked. It's going right back to his laptop. 100%. It was just him and his house on the his laptop. Go? They're not quite sure. Uh, a lot of people, at the time, Bitcoin was so like low in price that it was about 800 900 bucks Okay. that people were just using it. So they would get their... They'd put it in there, they'd get their Bitcoins, they'd sell it and not come back, or they'd get it, make a couple dollars and pull out. Okay. So, like, the money was just, it was going in, came out, and not a lot went back in. That's why they need those gas fees. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, That is until 2017. Okay. So, in 2017, Bitcoin exploded. Yes, it did. If, yes, if, it if you did. know anything about crypto, <laughs> yes, it did. 2017, Bitcoin went... <sighs> 
from like 800, 900 bucks a piece to over $20,000. Yeah, a I was going to say, is that when it hit like 10, 20 grand? Yep. So at, at the high, it was a little over $20,000. And so at this time, $1.2 billion of Bitcoin was exchanged on Quadriga. Wow. So it went from being a broke company to where everyone left and he was just on his laptop by himself to now $1.2 billion is coming in and out. Dude, money's so made up and fake. This is all, we late stage capitalists, capitalism has really taught us that this shit. Like, how do you go from being a multimillionaire to being broke to being a billionaire to being broke? Like that's yeah, money's made up. That's you can't. So this caused a bunch of issues because he was going from like very small exchanges to now one point two billion dollars worth of exchanges, and he didn't have the infrastructure to back it up. I was gonna say he probably didn't have the money to pay for the fees and stuff. He's yeah. So. This large increase in volume also increased the commission's fees. He really didn't have the money to do it. So he was kind of begging Peter to pay Paul in this yeah. situation where people were like, I would like to buy Again, Bitcoin. The, Sil- the Silicon Valley model. Exactly. They're like, I would like to pay. Uh, I would like to buy Bitcoin. And he's like, awesome. Thank you. And someone's like, I'd like to withdraw my Bitcoin. And he's like, fuck, here you go. I don't know. Like he didn't know what to do. And this caused such a cash flow problem that the exchange's reliance on external payment processors and its lack of proper accounting systems caused them to lose a fuck ton of money. Okay. So in June of 2017, Quadriga announced that they had lost Ethereum worth $14 million. Oh, wow. Due to a smart contract issue. Jeez. Yeah. So, Fucking goof of the day. Like, they keep having these ebbs and flows, and it's just like, awesome, we're back in business. Fuck, we lost $14 million. Yeah, jeez. Uh, but like I said, this was still just like rocky territory, and people kind of just assumed like, these are the dangers of this business. Yeah, yeah, like these huge speculative like failures and stuff. It's all just written off as like, well, that's the way she goes. On to the next one. So people kept sticking with him. They kept putting their money in. He has billions of dollars of Bitcoin going in and out. Okay. And then that brings us to 2018. And 2018, after this huge rise in 2017 in Bitcoin, 2018 comes around and Bitcoin crashes hard. I... I know that a lot of people I know in 2017, when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 2017. I had people I was graduating with. They were like, dude, for, uh, I just took all my money from graduating and I put it into Bitcoin and I saw them next year. And they're like, fuck man. (laughs) Like people were seriously, people were losing their life savings. Well, they would have just held on to it for two more years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so because it's not like that shit was at forty grand then. What was the highest it hit in twenty twenty one? Was it sixty grand? I think it was like sixty three thousand dollars. Yeah, I used it was to have like a hundred of those. Yeah. <laughs> so throughout twenty eighteen, Bitcoin is crashing, and a bunch of Quadrico's <coughs> customers are like, "Fuck, I went out." Like yeah. it's just getting worse and worse and worse. We had this high. That means we're gonna have a real low low. So let's pull our money out. So they tried to, and. It just wouldn't go through. It was like, try to withdraw their money, air. Try to withdraw their money. If we were a, dr- a dramatic music podcast, yeah, where it would start playing. So customers keep trying to pull their money out and just keep getting error messages over and over. And they reached out to customer service, and customer service was like, "Hey, due to the crash and due to a high volume of people withdrawing, we're having some technical issues. We'll get back." It's to called you. not having enough money. It's yeah. the same thing that Robinhood did when they illegally stopped the squeeze. Well. So they're like, we'll get back to you in like two weeks. And two weeks went by. They tried again, still weren't able to withdraw their money, reach out again. They're like, yeah, we're still working on it. We'll get back to you in another two weeks. And this is 2018. So you can go, there's a whole quadrigal Reddit that if you look at it, there are people that are like, hey, can anyone else get their money out? And there's whole threads 
from three years ago that people are just like, hey, I'm trying to withdraw my money. Can you guys get your money out? And they're like, no, I'm getting this error message. And they're like, yeah, I'm getting that error message too. I reached out to customer support. They're saying they'll get back to me. And they're like, yeah, they told me three weeks ago that they'd get back to me and I haven't heard anything. So everyone's getting these error codes. No one's able to get their money out. And people have like thousands, if not like quarters of millions of dollars in this. There's one guy. Uh, well, he, yeah, because people will put like their life, their life savings into it. One guy took out eighty five thousand dollars in loans uh, right oh, before the boom. No. Put it in there, made a ton of money, and then when he went to draw it out, couldn't get his money back, and so now had eighty five thousand dollars worth of loans with interest that he had to pay back and zero dollars to his name, which is fucked up because he was right. You yeah. know, like. He'd made a speculative investment that paid off, and it mm-hmm. didn't matter because he couldn't have the money anyway. So he the the sad story with that guy, he had to end up selling his apartment. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, like yeah. I not apartment, a condo. He had a condo, but he sold it. Oh to, well, then no loss. Well, I mean, yeah, condos are <laughs> fucking terrible. If your house has carpet in it, it's don't have any sort of sentimental attachment to it. You can sell it at any point. It sucks. So all the customers keep reaching out, and they're hearing nothing. And finally, radio silence. Just complete radio silence until January 14th of 2019. Okay, this is the day. This is the day. So a post was made. Gather around, children. <laughs> a post made its way to the official Quadriga CX Facebook page. And I'm going to read it now. It's a, it's a little long, but it's the whole thing, and it gives us real big context for the story. Okay. It is with a heavy heart that we announce the sudden passing of Gerald Cotton, co-founder and CEO of Quadriga CX. A visionary leader who transformed the lives of those around him Jerry died due to complications with Crohn's disease on December 9th, 2018, while traveling in India, where he was opening an orphanage to provide a home and safe refuge for children in need. Jerry cared deeply about honesty and transparency, values he lived by in both his professional and personal life. He was hardworking and passionate, with an unwavering commitment to his customers, employees, and family. Through his hard work and dedication, Jerry contributed greatly to the growth and development of the cryptocurrency industry, As an expert in digital finance, he was involved with digital payments, currency, and transfers of electronic value over a decade. In his capacity as CEO, he shared his passion and expertise in digital finance with its management team to successfully grow Quadriga CX into one of the largest exchange platforms in cryptocurrency in Canada. We are very proud of all Jerry has accomplished, and we are confident with that leadership team of Quadriga CX will carry on his important work in a manner consistent with Jerry's vision and values. It is in this spirit that we announce that Aaron Matthews, the current head of operations, being recommended by Jerry's estate executor to assume the role of interim president and CEO. Aaron has been steadfast and positive influence with the leadership and growth of the company. Uh, it then goes on to talk about what they're going to continue, and it says, On behalf of our family and the Quadriga CX team, we thank you for your continued support. Sincerely, Jennifer Robin- Robertson, estate executive <coughs> of Gerald Cotton. So, Jennifer Robinson... She was the state executor because in 2017, she met Jerry on Tinder. Oh, yeah. Yep. And after four months, they got married in secret. Interesting. So this is his wife that posted this. Okay. They were on their honeymoon. That is why they were in India. But as she said, he was in India to not be on their honeymoon, but to open up an orphanage where he ran into complications with Crohn's disease. Well, he's owed, he's owed Crohn's disease money for about 20 years. You know? <laughs> I'm not surprised. If Crohn's disease came up behind him and stabbed him. So, <laughs> Oh, my ulcerative colitis. <laughs> there, are a bunch of, um, there are a bunch of weird things that people saw with this, one of which being 
They waited over a month to announce his death. Yeah, that that's an interesting thing. I People said the same thing when MF Doom died, and they were like, his wife waited forever. In that situation, I get it. I feel like Doom was such a private person. You know, yeah. like, He never took the mask off. He often had people perform. If you guys haven't listened to our Andrew WK podcast about whether or not he's fake, we talk about yep. that a little bit. That is less surprising to me because it sometimes that hits you hard. Now, that being said, that's if everybody involved is on the up and up. Yes. This is his secret wife claiming to be uh, the executor of his estate, mm -hmm. and they're on his on their honeymoon, except that's not what they're telling people. He's opening up an orphanage, which he's not opening, uh, and has run into issues with Crohn's disease, yes. which has apparently been enough to kill the man. Well, and the thing is, they like, were I like, I don't believe you anymore. Hey, guys, he died, but we do have a new CEO. It's this guy. He's going to carry on the values. We're going to move on from here. Well, people saw that Facebook post, customers saw that Facebook post, and they started to panic. Well, yeah, because where the fuck's my money? What do you mean he's dead? Yes. What do you mean he's dead? So they go to pull their money out. They they log in. This feels this honestly feels like a catfish situation. It does. Um, which this doesn't help the situation. So a bunch of customers panic. They're like, fuck, he's dead. Where's our money? They go to the website to pull their money out, and the website's gone. Yes. That's a well, it died. Yes. The website died. <laughs> Yeah, um, what's hard to understand there? The website went down and the company went off the grid entirely. Man, that's the that's just the most. And nowadays, you know, we know this, right? We've got a term for this. It's yes. called a rug pull. Yes, <clears throat> it's unregulated and entirely legal still currently, which is what we discussed at the beginning of this podcast. But it's, I mean, this was this was three years ago. This was pre shitcoin. This is pre NFT. Mm -hmm. This is pre rug pull. And this dude had the second largest exchange, right? Uh, the, in the largest, world? second largest in the world, largest in Canada. Yeah, but I mean, it's the second largest in the world. So yeah. we're talking about Singapore. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Jakarta. Like we're talking about like Manila, like real ass money that yeah. spends it on crypto. Mm -hmm. And the boy just disappears. The boy disappears, and so does his website. Like if you died and you already had a CEO, because in theory, the month you would wait to tell people because it's like, okay, we took care of everything. We buried the body. We did the service. We settled everything with the family. And now we found a CEO. And even then, like doing all that in a month would be smoking hot. Like that is yeah. you're moving fast, man. If you're replacing all that stuff that fast. So obviously there feels like there's an element of premeditation and the premeditation then insinuates two things. I, what do I say all the time? You do things for two reasons. Either you did it on accident because you're dumb as fuck or you did it on purpose because you're an asshole. Yep. And that's okay. It's okay to be either, but you got to acknowledge. And I think that applies here. So was she being ignorant or was she doing this out of malice? And I think it was the, the latter. I think it was the latter because a little over <clears throat> a week later, Quadrica CX broke its silence and the company revealed that it filed for creditor protection in Nova Scotia Supreme Court, which they said that Cotton is the sole person responsible for transferring Quadrica CX funds between the company's cold wallet, which is a secure offline storage, and its hot wallet, which is the online server. So, yeah, so I'll explain the also the so the creditor protection. Yes. That exists to stop creditors from being able to if I if I owed people a bunch of money and I died, you as my son, if you if I left all that shit to you, I couldn't theory also leave my debt to you and then you would be approached by those creditors. Yeah. So to have that protection basically means, hey, while we figure out what's going on with this 
company. Jerry had everything to do with it, which is weird because it's, that's something you do when you like fire a CEO who's been stealing yeah. or embezzling. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, th- not exclusively, obviously, but it is definitely something you would do in that situation. If the guy died, why would you need creditor protection? Yeah. Why would you need that? Like what, what <laughs> creditors, all you're trying to do is be like, well, now that Jerry's dead, we don't owe you money anymore, which is either a really scummy fucking thing to do or Jerry's not dead. Yeah. So the issue they said they were running into is the hot wallet or the online server is what you actually transfer the funds through. Yeah. Well, they said for security reasons, you rarely keep money in the hot wallet. What you do is you only put, say, cold wallet is the wallet in my pocket, hot wallet is my hands, and you're buying Bitcoin from me. You want $20 worth of Bitcoin, so what I do is I reach into my cold wallet, I only pull $20 out, and then I give it to you. So the hot wallet only ever has whatever amount is being transferred. That's how a bunch of, like, crypto uh, skimming works, too. Okay. Where, like, people will have programs running that sees that transfer from, say, you're like, I want three Bitcoin, and at the time you tell me, that's $20 valuation. Mm-hmm. But by the time it takes me to reach for that 20 it loses value, so it becomes $15 when I put it in my hand. Those programs will take that $5. Okay. Gotcha. Well, the issue is all these cold wallets were on Cotton's laptop. And Cotton's laptop was encrypted. And his wife had no idea how to get into it, supposedly. Not his wife. His widow now. Yeah, his, <laughs> his secret, secret widow. widow. Um, and she said that she hired an expert. and he was, uh, The expert was also unable to access any of his contents. And the company had no corporate bank account and use third-party services to manage payments and withdrawals. <laughs> Just like every fucking box is ticked. You yes. Know? This all feels so premeditated. Because every single thing is like, nope, sorry, we don't have that either. So uh, the board of directors uh, sent a letter to customers on January 31st. So this is two weeks after. They're like, hey, he's dead, and then radio silent. And they said, for the past weeks, we've worked extensively to address our liquid, uh, li- liquidity issues, uh, which include attempting to locate and secure our very significant cryptocurrency reserves held in cold wallets. And that are required <laughs> hey, to... Guys, s- we're having liquidity issues. Why? Um, so all of our money is locked in that dead guy's pockets. And we are required to satisfy customer cryptocurrency balances on deposits, as well as sourcing a financial institution to accept the bank drafts that are to be transferred to us. Unfortunately, these efforts have not been successful. See, and that, it feels like, remember the story, I think it was from last year, mm-hmm. about a guy who had a hard drive and he was on, like, guess 8 out of 10 for yeah. the passwords that had a bunch of Bitcoin on it? I wonder, they can get into that drive. 100%. You can get into pretty much any drive. Well, I'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. I want to talk a little bit more about his death or okay. the Alleged events thereafter. Death. Yeah. So... Uh, Cotton's will was assigned uh, November twenty seventh. Crohn's disease shot him down in the streets of India. Yeah, so uh, November twenty seventh, twenty eighteen, he signs his will. Uh, that's twelve days before he allegedly died. Will you do that one more time? Just because yeah. I coughed into it. So Cotton's will was signed November twenty seventh, twenty eighteen, which is only twelve days before he died. You gotta love a, a will that's like the ink is still wet when you die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it left his uh, secret wife Robertson the entire. <clears throat> $9.6 million estate and named her as the trustee. No shit. It also, uh, the estate included an airplane, a sailboat, a 2017 Lexus, and real estate in uh, Kelowna, British Columbia, and Nova Scotia. Yeah, but what about the Bitcoin? Because, like, if you wrote a will, mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's 12 days before would, he died. He knew full. It's not like he, he said, oh, my Crohn's disease is flaring up, which I have family members that have Crohn's disease, and they've had it for 40 years. Yeah, it makes you miss work. It doesn't kill you. Like, less than 3% of people with Crohn's disease die due to Crohn's disease-related incidences, and that is in impoverished countries. Yeah, where medical care isn't available. Yes. And where a death certificate isn't $450, but we'll get into <laughs> yes. that here in a minute. Go ahead and talk about his death, though. My favorite thing is that a $100,000 trust fund was <laughs> was instated to provide life to, uh, lifelong care for his two chihuahuas. Man, this all that feels like uh, when we talked about uh, masterpiece getting stolen. Yes, that feels like he was just paying off the dog handler. So uh, people were immediately skeptical because I mean, you say he's dead, you say that you're going to continue business, you disappear for a week, and then you come back and you're like, "Yeah, we have no way to get your guys' money." Dude, it's the shadiest shit in the whole world. Like, if, any landlord wouldn't let you leave your apartment again if this if this <laughs> is how you were behaving. So people were like, "Naturally, prove it." Yeah, 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 absolutely. So his his secret ex-widow, or his secret widow, not ex-widow, released his death certificate. Dude, being an ex-widow is a wild idea. That motherfucker was dead, but he's back now. <laughs> uh, she released his death certificate, which was issued on December 10th, so a day after he supposedly died, as well as his hospital reports. Okay. And in this document, it said that Gerald Cotton was admitted on December 8th, 2018. Hospital officials said on admission, he was diagnosed with septic shock, perforation, uh, intestinal obstruction, and had a known case of Crohn's disease. They said he complained of watery stools, vomiting, cramping, abdominal pain, and was feeling feverish. They said his vital signs kept deteriorating, and he suffered cardiac arrest and was declared dead at 7.26 p.m. that night. Oh, he shit himself to death? He shit himself to death. Man. Really this- shit the bed, Amber Heard style. <laughs> Amber turd. <laughs> so... With all this information leaked, she was like, hey, it leaked. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not the only thing that's leaked. She's like, here's the proof that you guys want. And the proof is in the pudding, am I right? <laughs> She's like, look at this death certificate. And people did. They looked at the death certificate. His name was spelled wrong. <laughs> and he died in India. Yeah. Which India kind of has a reputation of... For as little as $450. Yeah, yeah dude. India's the, <laughs> India is about the easiest place in the world to get credentials in any way. Yes. Yeah. And I say that as my, so my old bosses were Indian. And you can get fucking anything you want in India, man. And you don't need a lot of money to do it. Mm-hmm. They'll be happy to do it for you. You can get passports. You can get credentials. You guys want to go play Jason Bourne? You want to do fucking cool crimes and play Jason Bourne? Go to India. Get a full set of papers. Can I get arrested for saying this? Uh, no, dude. It, it's we're not, we're not giving you legal advice. Don't take this seriously. <laughs> I wish I want to be the uh, antithesis to like that lawyer who's on YouTube. I want to be a criminal. <laughs> the legal eagle. Yeah, the I'll be the illegal eagle. I'll just tell you how to do crimes. But yeah, if you want to play Jason Bourne, you need a new identity. You're tired of this shit. Maybe you're a crypto bro who's in a lot of trouble. Just go to India, get yourself a death certificate, get a new passport. You'll be set. It might cost you two grand, maybe. So uh, one of the customers, he, he shared his experience on Reddit. He went to the hospital. He, he flew himself to India. He went to the hospital. He walked into the hospital, met with the doctor that signed the death certificate. He said when he walked into the room, the doctor had his uh, medical notepad in hand with a pen and said, what can I get you? Yes. Dude, I love India. Yes. I love it so much. And then he was like, hey, I'm actually 
uh, doing research. I'm writing a story. He should have just sent a death certificate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm doing research about a story. A man that I know supposedly passed away in this hospital, told him the story, like showed him the documents. And the doctor was like, I got no fucking clue what you're talking about. Woo. Yeah. Uh, then another uh, Reddit AMA came up. It's pretty clever to forge the signature of a dirty doctor, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you... It's like if, robbing a drug dealer. Exactly. Like, what are you going to do, call cops? So uh, another Reddit AMA popped up for someone that was a freelance consultant for Quadriga. Okay. And he said that he was at the funeral they had. They had a funeral. He said that Jennifer was, like, laughing the whole time, that she was fake grieving, and afterwards, uh, they had an after party where she was, like, drinking and dancing and having a blast. Maybe she's just really glad he's gone. That could be. Dude, plenty of people in my family dance at people's funerals, and that's because we're just glad that motherfucker's gone. But the big glaring issue is he said that it was a closed casket and no one was allowed near the casket. That's weird. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, imagine shitting yourself to death so bad that it's just a like closed a little, casket. He's just like a drained husk. <laughs> like when a, like a mummy in a movie sucks the soul out of someone and like get the ground, he's shit himself so much. Like I've had diarrhea, you know, but I have never, ever, I've felt like I couldn't stand back up afterwards, but imagine if you actually couldn't. A closed casket why? Because the shit stained all of his body. We couldn't get it off. So, all these glaring issues <laughs> aside. Oh my god! <laughs> this guy shit himself to death. All these glaring issues aside, people were like, "Okay, this dude's not fucking dead. Oh, Where's yeah. our money?" I mean, he's not fucking dead. They owed approximately uh, one hundred and fifteen thousand customers over two hundred and fifty million dollars. Woo! Yes. So, I mean, even if he's currently breathing, he's a dead man. Oh, hundred percent. So. Some skeptical blockchain analysis were like, okay, well, you're saying that there are our money is on these cold wallets. These cold wallets are encrypted. There's no way to transfer it from the cold wallets to the hot wallets. Let's see if that's true. So what they do, they do some digging. They find six cold wallets. They call up CoffeeZilla. <laughs> they find six cold wallets, uh, addresses used by Quadriga to store Bitcoins in the past. Five of those hadn't had any balances since April of 2018. Ooh. So oh, weird. Yep, five of the six. What, what else happened right around then? Completely empty. Yeah. Fuck, man. Uh, this dude fully just cashed out. They really should have checked all the drawers and yep. stuff once he was gone. Um, <clears throat> the sixth wallet, quote, appears to have been used to receive Bitcoin from another cryptocurrency exchange account and sub uh, subsequently transferred Bitcoins to the Quadriga hot wallet. Oh, so it was just a mid. That's a that's a middle wall. That's a. It was Peter. Yeah, that's a that's a theft yeah. wallet. It yeah. was a hundred percent Peter, and it had these other ones that hadn't had money in them for years. It's like those bullshit charities that you see, like Mr. Beast starting mm -hmm. that just exist to take the twenty percent off the top and nothing else. So uh, Ernst and Young, uh, they are a company that are data analysis and they de uh, delve deep into cryptocurrency. It's kind of their big thing. They started poking around too. They were court appointed to start poking around. They found that they reported on February 6, 2019, that almost a half a million dollars, it was $468,000 of Bitcoin, were inadvertently sent to an inaccessible cold wallet. Inadvertently? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I butt dialed myself 100 mil. So on February 5th, uh, the day before that report came out, the Nova Scotia Supreme Court Justice ordered a 30-day stay that precludes filing claims against Quadriga. Why? Uh, so they said that it was temporary legal protection from its creditors under the company's creditors arrangement act, 
which said that insolvent corporations were able to restructure their business and financial affairs in the case of, like, people coming for their money. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Yeah, It's, like, protection because of him. It makes me feel like the the judges involved in making these decisions also feel like Mm -hmm. Jerry isn't dead. Because I feel like if they did... They wouldn't be so quick to offer so many protections to this company that otherwise, like, it's not like they're a huge employer. Yep. You do that with companies that are, like, large employers so that they don't go bust because if they go bust, bigger problems happen. So, like, there's a handful of employees at this company. They're worth a yeah. shitload of money. Yeah. There's, you know, it just doesn't feel like. It gets a little weirder on the legal side, too. So okay. there's this 30-day stay. And so people wait that 30 days. They go to then try to pursue their money. And then on March 5th, 2019, uh, they extended the court protection. Oh, okay. So they said that uh, Quadricut's customers were owed $260 million in cryptocurrency and cash. And because of this protection, a $24.7 million disbursement fund had been planned with $300,000 coming from Robertson. She okay. paid out of pocket this $300,000. The money goes to weird places. Okay. Which I'm like... They're paying off the courts. Okay. So, two hundred thousand of those dollars of the two uh, twenty-four million dollars were to go to Ernst and Young, the company that's doing all the deep diving. Another two, quarter of a million dollars to the lawyers. Okay. Another uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to Quadriga's lawyers, and seventeen thousand dollars to quote independent contractors. Ooh, there we go. So it feels like. They took off with the money. They're like, hey, don't let people sue us for this money. They're like, fine. They set up this fund. She uses some of the stolen money to set up this fund, pays off all the lawyers and all the people investigating them, and they wipe their hands, and they're like, you're fine. I was going to say, I wonder how much of these stays were just <clears throat> Jennifer like appe- like appealing to the humanity in these judges and yes. being like, please, please, I don't have this money. Jerry fucked me over. Mm-hmm. And she's lying because they're married and he's sending her money. Yes. Yeah. Well, that is where the story kind of ends. Okay. Except for one big glaring issue. After well, Jerry's not dead. Jerry's not dead. But after uh, people continued coming after the company for their money, after the courts were like, hey, there's nothing we can do. This uh, reimbursement fund or disbursement fund has been paid off. Everyone's paid except the customers. She goes into hiding. Oh, there we go. Yep. Uh, her family were like, yeah, for her protection. She went somewhere, didn't tell anyone. People were like following her accounts. Her name on her different accounts changed three different times. Her last name changed three different times. And no one has heard from her since. Well, and there have been, hasn't there been like, there's been internet postings from someone who has been traced to being Jerry Cotton, right? Yes. So uh, there is a whole um, Telegram group that talks about cryptocurrency and especially this. And in uh, late 2019... Quick shout out to Telegram. Anybody who listens to this podcast, if you want your new form of entertainment social media, get yourself a Telegram. I'm in some very questionable groups, but holy shit are they entertaining. <laughs> so uh, one person uh, one person that was part of this group sent jerry a personal message on telegram it was like i know that you're still alive and i'm coming for my money never got a reply but the read receipt went from sent to seen (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, in late 2019 so he did see it yep and uh there are a couple of people that were like 
hey, let's do a more deep dive into who Jerry is as a person. And they found that there is a forum from, it was about 2012, that was all about scamming people. It was all about internet scams. And there was a person that kept showing up on the boards by the name of Scepter. And people were like, all right, who's the Scepter guy? Because he basically, in one forum, laid out this entire plan without exactly talking about crypto and Bitcoin because it wasn't really that big of a thing in 2012, but basically mapped out a whole plan that looked exactly like this. <laughs> so they reach out to the forum. They find the email that's linked to Scepter's account. They find another account on a different forum under a different name. It was under Murdoch with a bunch of numbers after it. Same email. They look at that account. There's a name tied to that account. Jerry Cotton. Oh. So, Scepter, this guy who on a scam forum in 2012 basically laid out the scam that just happened. It's fucking Jerry. Yeah, it's Jerry. God damn it, Jerry. <laughs> so, that brings us now to the last portion of the podcast, which is we talk about our theories and yeah. how we fucking feel about this. I mean, Gerald Cotton's obviously alive. He's 100% alive. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the, he's as alive <laughs> as fucking, oh man, what was the guy in Australia? What was his name? Pat, Patty, what's his name? Oh, uh, Patty McLeary. No. Oh. Incorrect. Is it not that? Uh, no. And Why it, can't I think of it Moriarty. right now? Moriarty. Moriarty, there we Patty go. Moriarty. Sorry to everybody at home for listening Go watch to that episode. It's fun. It is. But he's as alive as Patty is dead. A hundred percent. Jerry is a. Jerry is so alive that, like, I'm pretty sure he might be listening to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Cotton, I, I wonder what he's... So I, my my theory for for theory time is less about is he alive? I one hundred percent believe that Gerald Cotton is alive. I believe that Jennifer helps him in being alive, and I think that they live a happy, married, very very wealthy life. Yeah, where do they live is a good question. But they could, I mean, they could live a lot of places. There are with enough money, and you don't even really need a lot of money. When I say with enough money, you got to consider inflation. If you had a million dollars and you went to Vietnam, you'd never have to do anything for money ever again. Yeah, and this guy has $260 million. Yeah, and he can, you know, move around the world as he sees fit. There's been claims that um, he's gotten plastic surgery. There have been some claims, including, you know, talking to some doctors who allegedly helped with it. There's been claims that he's shown up in other countries. People have seen him, but... Jerry's a really like I mean you guys saw him in the thumbnail. He's a very plain looking sort yeah. of like, average white guy. It would be very easy for him to hide in plain sight. And also he doesn't really need to hide in plain sight. So here's an interesting thing about like the app based world is the more that we allow ourselves to like live inside, the more we allow this sort of behavior to happen. hundred percent. Because if you don't have to live outside and no one has to ever see you and you don't have to be accountable and Listen, when I lived in China, the billionaires that quite literally live on top of Victoria Peak in Hong Kong, they send helicopters, they send dudes on motorcycles, they send triad boys, they send whoever, but they send people to do their errands. Yeah. They don't come down from up there. No, not at all. And I mean, we know people that live here in town, which is not the fanciest town. They live in less than a million dollar homes, and they have fucking personal assistants. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. So there's like... I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that he could easily just have... If I was in Jerry's situation, I'd move to some small Asian country and start a fucking commune full of people who would protect me forever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he also has a plane and a sailboat. He could be wherever he fucking wants to be. Yeah. He could be nowhere. He could be on that sailboat just 
sailing. That being said, Jerry, if you do see this and you do like it, we're down to hang. Yeah. We, we would love to come hang shit, out. Shit, give us we some got money. No, we have zero beef with you. We'll fucking keep quiet. I don't give shit. It's a yeah. cool crime. We said earlier in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to just talk to you. Uh, I think it's a cool fucking crime, and I think it'd be fun to talk to you about how you did it. I feel like you probably don't get to brag about it very often. Yeah, you know? that's true. And that's a well, shame you should get to. It's a cool crime. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, I forget the name of the... It's a famous comedian, but he was like, if you tell a lie that's bold enough, people will start to believe it. Yeah. I feel like it's that's the called in- politics. I feel like it's the inverse too. Like if he got drunk, if he's in some small Asian country somewhere, got drunk at a bar and was and he like, told this story and he told the story. Fucking believe him. No, not at all. No, no. He people are like, to- all right, buddy. Yeah. Whatever you say, Jerry. Okay. Skinny white dude. Like <laughs> this guy says his name's Jerry cotton. Okay. Cotton. eye Joe, you go enjoy that money. Cotton. I Jerry. Where did you come from? Where did you go? But Where it's just like, from? That's you, the name of the episode. I'm going to call it Cotton Eye Jer. Uh, you don't need... There's so many things in place now, even with how connected we are and technology and stuff like that. I know people that don't have any so, sort of social media. They just barely have a cell phone. And it's like, if you just up and move and you're just like, hey, I'm new here, people are like, okay, cool. Dude, when I... And, you know... This is to date myself as always because I'm the old man around here. But I didn't have a cell phone until I was in my mid-20s. Like, I didn't have one. I didn't need one. I didn't have a purpose for one. I lived in a small town. I saw all the people that I needed to see all the time. Yeah. I, You know, with my job, when you work in a bar, you know when you're working. It's posted on the wall. And, you like, all the people that you're probably going to socially interact with over the course of the week, you'll probably see at work at some point. Yeah. You just talk to them then. It makes you more punctual because you, like, you set like things you got to be there for. Cause oh, I can't yeah. text you and tell you I'm running late. Yeah. I just look like a prick who didn't show up on time. So yeah, I think that, and what I was going to say about that is not having a phone <clears throat> even then, you know, in 2012, not having a cell phone made it really, really easy to not be involved. Mm-hmm. It made it really, really easy to not be traceable when people were, I've never had a Facebook when people hop on Facebook and they're looking for, you know, you have your f- friends from high school or whatever trying to find you. That doesn't happen to me. I don't have yeah. to deal with it because that's not where I put myself. And if you're at home and you're thinking like, well, how could he make off with this much money, like $260 million and have access to it? That's the whole point of crypto. Well, and well, so that was something I was going to talk about too, because we've talked about it before. Um, all of this money All this money has to go somewhere and you don't need 260 million to live off of for the rest of your life. You can take 60. Yeah. So spend $200 million getting that money clean because $200 million will get that money clean. Yeah. I mean, you can take it to, you could take that equity to, you're dealing with some major players at that point, but there are people in China there are people in the Middle East. There are plenty of people in Europe, Africa, places where you could, I mean here too, where you could take that money and turn it into uh, real money without any real problems. And like what people forget, like you could go to Manila and do this. These Asian finance cities exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. They've been shells. Like having lived there, I can tell you there's a reason that the Westerners have a certain outlook on it, especially like the sex tourists and stuff. Yeah. And that's because it's basically like Cancun for finance bros and because they get away with whatever the fuck they want. It'd be so easy to just transfer it from one cold wallet that's under your like name and under your uh, IP to a cold wallet that you have no connection to. You can put under a fake name. If you bought a fake identity, have it literally slip it in your pocket, go to one of these cities, go to someone and be like, Hey, this is worth $260 million. You can check it. There's no way it's tied back to me or you. 
I'll buy it off me for 50%. Absolutely. And like the, you know, to go back to the Silk Road um, comparison that we talked about before, you know, like I think there's a lot of people our age who have a tendency to still look at crime as Robin Banks or whatever. That stuff's so far gone now. And it's, it's this now. And there used to be a time where if you were a proficient bank robber, you probably knew somebody who could get you a fake ID. Yeah. Because, you know, you run with each other, right? There, nowadays, the same people who know how to exploit the, um, like the, the NFT scams, the Bitcoin scams, these crypto things, these are the same people who are on the dark net that have immediate ties to the people who make fake IDs and stuff. Basically, this guy could not be more intimately connected to the people he needs to make him the things he needs to be invisible. Yeah. And he has $260 million in the currency they use to do it. It's like, and you know... With him specifically... There's no it's way like, this guy's dead, and there's no way we're ever going to fucking see him again. And with this guy specifically, he created one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. And so that's like, if you take it to the bank robbing analogy... That's like if your getaway driver literally paved the road he was going to get away on. Yeah, yeah. Like, who knows the way out from robbing that bank more intimately than the guy who fucking made the road? Yeah, it's like, hey, we're having a hard time tracking his his wallet transactions. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. It's weird that the guy who... He's the guy that created the fact that it's hard for you to do that. Like, yeah. The it's, man who invented the steering wheel has made it very difficult yeah. for us to follow. It's just like, it's such a perfect crime... And yes, people people got hurt. People lost their life savings. That guy had to sell his condo. Yeah, but they're crypto. Like, yeah, they're again, crypto bros. Like, I'm sorry. You, I don't have any empathy for people who gamble their money for any reason. Like, I have empathy for people who are addicted to it. I have empathy for the fact that you're addicted to it and can't yeah. stop. But I don't have any empathy for the people who, like, roll the dice on their money in crypto or any sort of speculative market and lose it. It's a speculative market. That's your fault. I hate to break it to you, but that's your fault. Yeah. You speculated. You were like, yeah, I bet that will be worth money. And now you're upset because you were wrong? I'm it, sorry. It's like, but obviously, that's not what's happened here. Yeah. Like, these guys straight up got ripped off. Yeah. They were right. They yeah. did make their money. I just don't have a tremendous amount of empathy either way. Because if you're willing to gamble that sort of money like that, I don't. You have to admit that you might fuck. If yeah, you were if okay you're going to take losing it, why are you? It feels like a bunch of sore winners because they're like, "Well, we did the right thing and we got our money. Why don't we follow the rules? Why don't we get what we want?" It's like, well, because shit, that's life. Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. It's just like if you're going to accept some of the risks, you got to accept all the risks. Yeah, absolutely, man. If you are willing to like lose your money, you have to understand that you might lose your money beyond your control. You might yeah. lose your money and be like, "Well, I didn't know that was going to happen." Yeah, no shit. But well, you. If you did, you wouldn't have lost your money. It's like going on a roller coaster, which is topical because we might do it this weekend. We're <laughs> stoked for it. But it's like, you I know. Stop talking about it. If my glasses aren't secure on my face, I could lose them. And I'm like, okay, that's a risk I'm willing to take. I need my glasses to see. I want to go on this roller coaster. But then You just need some croquis. But then if my phone flies out of my pocket on the roller coaster, me and being like, what the fuck? Yep. No, I already accepted a risk that I might lose something. I have to accept the risk that I could lose everything. Well, it's and if all you, in the same thing. Like, If you go on a roller coaster and you lose your phone going around on the roller coaster, or the roller coaster comes unhooked and you lose your phone because of that, either way, you lost your phone because you agreed to get on that roller coaster. 100%. Whether they're... Like, the, whether what went wrong is their fault or your fault, that's a thing you can settle in court or yeah. elsewhere where liability and that shit matters. Here, 
I hate to break it to you. There are no there are no court laws for this yet. There is no liability yeah. in the court. And without a liability in the court, there's nothing you can do about it. You get hurt on a roller coaster, there's liability in the court for that for a reason. It's because it happened enough times that people went, oh, this is unfair and there should be something that happens to people who do it. That doesn't currently exist in the crypto sphere. And it's going to be that way for as long as possible because a lot, I think there's, People know so little about it, and the speculation is so strong that I think a lot of the old Republicans that would want to make a bunch of money then make laws so that no one else can make money off of it mm-hmm. don't know how to make money off of it. Yeah. So they haven't made those laws yet because they don't know how to stop them. They don't know if they'd be stopping themselves from making money. It's like a real monkey's paw situation, too, because it's like, I want this money to be untraceable, yeah. and I want this money to be secure, and then it gets fucked up, and they're like, well, I want my money, and it's like, no, but you asked for it to be secure and untraceable. So do you really want that? Yeah. Do you really want us to be able to tap into that so anyone can get access to your money? Or do you want to have it keep being untraceable and secure? Pick a lane. Yep, like, absolutely. So the real, I just want to use the, or have an excuse to use hoisted by their own petard. But <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, no. so. Do you know that phrase is actually you can't uh, eat your cake and have it too? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It means the same thing. I know, thing. yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, you can't consume it and then be like, well, where's my cake? Yeah, you when you say it, it that yeah. way, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because you, you can have a cake and then eat it. That yes. makes sense. The way that we speak English, that makes sense. But you can't eat a cake and then also still have that cake. Oh, yeah, we so, learn something yeah, new every day. The, the lesson today is the saying is actually you can't have your cake and eat it too. Or you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't eat your cake and have it, too. There, there we go. go. Mm-hmm. We got there. As we get trained on certain <laughs> things, I don't even get it right once I'm correcting you. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that I think if you lost your money, if you put your life savings into this crypto investment and you lost it, tough shit. I feel the same way if you put your money into corn and you lost it. I feel the same way if you put your money into a piece of property and you lost it. If you speculated and you lost it, that's on you. Maybe we should get rid of this uh, capitalism system. It's kind of bullshit, huh? It's yeah. almost like we shouldn't spend all of our lives obsessing over tiny little goals that are ultimately meaningless. Yeah, and I mean, the phrase is right. Money doesn't buy happiness. Look at all the richest people in the world and how miserable their fucking lives are. Money doesn't do anything except the. we would realize that money was worthless if our bare essentials were met. Yeah. You know, if if the things you wanted in life were there for you, you wouldn't feel the need to go spend money. You have to spend money to get that stuff. If that transaction didn't occur, you wouldn't feel the need to. 100%. it's a it's a stupid way to live. Money is the laziest thing. It's like uh, money's the easiest way to accomplish anything, and that's why when people who you know people admire people like Elon Musk and they're like, oh well, look at what he got done, buddy. He just cut a lot of checks. He yeah. just cut a lot of checks. He didn't do anything with his two hands. Mm-hmm. He didn't do any of that shit. So like, you know, I will forever be on the side of the people who actually know how to make shit. Actually, one hundred percent. The people who really build things. And uh, in this case, I think that's I think that's who Jerry was. Yeah, I think Jerry is a guy who's really good at building stuff, mm-hmm. and I think he's a dude who didn't want to have to deal with the bullshit capitalist system. And he was like, "Cool, I'm going to cash out." And yeah. he found a way to cash out, and I don't blame him for it. Yeah, not some of us passively do it. I just own a bar, <laughs> which is honestly kind of cheating. You know, it's a business that's kind of cheating. I sell alcohol to people, like that's a, but it's not as much money, and it comes a lot slower. Yeah, but you know, at least it's honest. But I just, yeah, I think he's still out there. I think he's just enjoying the fruits of his labor, which good he for should. him, man. Yeah, yeah, sip up those pina coladas, enjoy yourself, Jerry. We're proud of you. Uh, to everybody who got ripped off, our uh, our deepest empathies but honestly you had to assume that was going to happen yeah yeah you at knew the risk yeah at least at this point with like crypto shit everybody just knows they're going to get fucking ripped off so they like it's fine like with the rug pulls and stuff mm-hmm. it's interesting to see this 
and the way that Jerry was. To be clear, I don't think rug pulls are cool crimes. No. No, and like when, you know, some dipshit YouTuber tells 15-year-olds to buy a bunch of NFTs and then rug pulls them or some shit coin and they rug pull them like Safe Moon or some bullshit project like that, I don't think that's cool. I think what Jerry did was cool because he faked his death. That's the part that I think is yeah. cool. The theft I don't care about because it's money, and as I've stated, I don't think that's a big deal. So the idea that he found a way, a cheat code to get out of this system, to be able to go chill on his own and did it with his own mind and he usurped the systems that pre-exist that's cool as fuck it's like watching Andy Dufresne get out of the out of the prison at, at that shit pipe at the end of Shawshank Redemption I hope he's somewhere in the rain and it's just raining bitcoins on him and I mean this is uh, this isn't a new thing exit scams have been a thing forever yeah where your company's going under but you're a popular company so people keep like buying things you quit shipping things, and once you have enough money, you're just like, oh, by the way, you're not getting your thing. See you guys. Yeah, we've been out of business for two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not a new thing. It's no. a cool thing. You faked your own death, which is awesome. Yeah, I, faking your own death, especially in a situation like this where it's so clear that you did fake your own yeah. death, it's cool because it's like that's way more of a flex than people wondering. And especially because if you fake your own death and people are like, uh, he didn't really die and prove that he actually died, and you put proof and it's real shitty proof, but it works... Like, okay, yeah. that's cool. You pulled it off. Yeah, good for you. I'm honestly proud of you. That's, I hope we never, ever, ever see you again. Oh, 100%. I hope you don't get arrested. I hope we, well, specifically, as I mentioned, we'll come hang out with you on yeah. whatever private island you're on. Yeah. But we hope you never get caught, Jerry. God bless you. <laughs> good good on you, Jerry Cotton. Well, let us know what you guys think in the comments. Let us know where you think Jerry is. I would say let us know if you think he's dead, but we all, I think, have to come to agreement that Jerry Cotton is not dead. Yeah, I, that I might think, just be what the thumbnail says. I think if you, if you listen to this or if you look anything up or if you watch that Netflix documentary, you'll quickly come to the conclusion he's not dead yeah Jer jerry is not dead he is out there living his best life with jennifer and you know what shout outs to jennifer yeah what a ride or die ride or die I you wish know? one day I find someone on Tinder that will then help me <laughs> yeah, embezzle. four months later fucking yeah dude this chick was down <laughs> hey uh I I know that first date was a little rocky but do you want to help me get like 300 million dollars yes I do. I do want to help you do that. <laughs> like they're talking about what they're into. And she's like, I like light BDSM. I like some spanking, maybe like a little choking. Also, I'm really into uh, fraud. I like bank fraud. Are you into bank fraud? And he's like, I love I, bank fraud. I am into bank fraud. <laughs> it's just going like real bad. He's, she's, he's like, man, this date fucking sucks. She's taking all the nachos with the toppings on it. <laughs> they should tell her that there's like a rule against it. And she's like, you know, I've always wanted to just like steal... $300 million in cryptocurrency. And he's like, interesting. This date just took a turn. So tell me more about that. <laughs> so yeah, good on her. Way to go, Jennifer. Way to, to ride with your dude and to stick with him. Dude, 30. That's a good, that's, I used to joke that I wanted to be retired at 35. Being, being a, you know, almost what, thir a quarter of a billionaire at 30, just chilling with no other worries. Cause we're going to forget who this fucking guy is. Yeah. We had a news story for those of you who watched the new show, uh, that was on yesterday. Um, we had a news story about how tw like 20 years later, it's being confirmed that, uh, the Saudis were involved in nine 11. That's not going to be in the news. No, no, it should be. It really should be, but it won't be in the news. Mm. It's in our news though. It is. Go watch, watch our news. Yeah. That's why you watch Caleb's rapport. Because if you do, you find out all the news that they don't want to want you to hear about. It's the con tomorrow's conspiracy. <laughs> tomorrow's today. conspiracies today. All right. Well, with that said, we love you guys. Hopefully you dug it. Uh, it is the end of the podcast, which means that it is Caleb's mother's most frustrating time. <laughs> uh, 
That yeah, sounded, that made it. That sounded like a period joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, this is uh, this is riddle time. It is riddle time. Uh, this week's riddle got a couple people. I had a couple people reach out, including my mom, who gave me several Just wrong a answers. Litany of wrong answers. Um, this week's riddle was uh, I'm sim- or last week's riddle, I should say. I'm simple for a few people, but hard for them to hear. I live inside of secrets. I bring people's worst fears. What am I? It's the truth. Yep, the truth. The truth. It's simple for a few people, but it's hard to hear the truth. The truth is inside secrets and. God, people can't handle the truth. This week's riddle. What runs but never walks? Murmurs and babbles but never talks? Has a bed but never sleeps? Has a mouth but never eats? Oh. Okay. Heard. One to think about for you. Yes, I'm doing it already. It's just Let me just fade out of the podcast right now. Just Where's he going? He's thinking. He's, He's thinking. He's doing a thing. Well, that's a good one. Leave your answers in the comments, as always. We love you guys. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed this week's show. Check out the new show. It was yesterday, so it's over on our other channel if you want to go check it out. Uh, and, yeah, we'll be back with another new show on, what, Wednesday? Wednesday. And another podcast next Sunday. Thanks for hanging with us for 69 Hell yeah. fucking episodes. That's been cool. That's cool. That's it's fun. I can't fun. believe we've managed to do this for a, 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 yeah, every week. At for least a year 69 straight. weeks. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple that we missed between illnesses and weather and stuff like that, but we did it. We did it, and thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, This is not the the last one. We will be back next week. We will be faking our deaths. We'll see you guys later. I'm totally making a YouTube video about faking my own death in three years from now. Everybody's going to be like, fuck, so if you hear that I die prematurely, know that I am still around and that Caleb is fucking lying to you. We love you guys very much. We'll see you on the other side.